Hi there, my name is Michael Harris. I'm host of Falling Up Radio. This is a place where we life about crushing your fears and finding ways to really be unstoppable in your life. We have an incredible guest coming on today. First though, I, I always mention my book, I've gotta do that. We gotta pay some of the bills here, falling down, getting up. Um, this book was number one in yoga, stress, and recovery. You can get a free copy of this book right here on this website, fallingupradio.com. So if you're listening to the audio, iTunes or Stitcher, or one of the other places, just go back to the website, get your free copy of the book. Okay, that's enough right now. I want to get our guest on as soon as we can. I'm, I met this gentleman recently, and... He's a really fascinating guy, and, and I look forward to uh, getting to know him more in, in the coming year, so, so to speak. But here's this guy. He really grew up on the sea. His father was, was a sea captain. He became a sea captain fishing out in the sea off the California and Oregon coast. And he's really developed this really incredible life as an international speaker, author, trainer. He has his flagship program called Charting Your Course. He talks a lot about emotional intelligence, EI leadership. He works a lot with uh, top executives and, and leadership communities really all over the world. And he's taken these compelling stories from the sea and really turned them into analogies on life and, and how to live our life. And, you know, he's, a, he's an empowerment coach and he's written his first book, I'm, I'm actually looking down here. I always write a bunch of notes because I want to make sure I, I know our guests pretty well. Um, incredible book, book, Wisdom from the Sea. So let's welcome our guest. Um, big applause, everybody out there. Big applause. Uh, again, I may chop up your name, James Avanu. That's close. That's close. <laughs> Correct me. Better than most. <laughs> it's Ivano. Okay, Ivano. Yes. Beautiful. Well, welcome today. I'm glad you can make it. I know you're super busy. So Thanks, having this time with you today um, is really incredible. So I'm trying to shut off all my bells and whistles on my computer because everybody wants to talk to me, right? So <laughs> in this modern day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we, we got our phones, we got our iPads, we got our laptops, we got our desktop. We too many ways to communicate sometimes. And we feel so alone when they don't ding or bang or ring. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so I wanted to jump right in. In your book, Wisdom from the Sea, you talk about the pirate from within. And I love that. And it's like a pirate can be anyone. This pirate has it has its own timelessness and intelligence. It feeds on drama and thrives on negativity. So James, is that you? Are you a, are you a pirate? Tell us about pirates to start. That would be my brother. That would be your brother, okay. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Yeah. Yeah. He's my brother as the butt of a lot of my jokes. So, uh -huh. and if he's watching this, hey Andrew. But anyway, I know seriously the uh, the pretext for the pirate within, which is my favorite chapter in my book, uh, is basically I'm following Eckhart Tolle's lead with that thought. And if you've read Eckhart Tolle or you know anything about Eckhart Tolle, mm -hmm. he talks about the pain body. 
Mm-hmm. But I did a, I was at a retreat one time and we did a uh, exercise around our archetypes. And for some reason, a pirate came up for me. Wow. And we did a meditation. So this pirate came up and then I got thinking about it, how, uh, when Eckhart Tolle talks about the, the pain body, how the, the pain body will feed off of the ego. And it's the same thing. We all have a pirate inside of us. So the other day I was watching the news in, in Central Oregon. There's some insane road rage incident where somebody got killed, shot. Guy went by the gun shooting. And uh, I thought, man, that's even going to these smaller communities now, this road rage and the anger that's building up in these people. So it, it, all it takes is one person to push the wrong button. And you can be this person that is so calm and peaceful for all your life and then, you know, for, for months, years, and then all of a sudden it takes that one incident. Yeah. Push your button and then this pirate wants to come up and do battle. Yeah. And that's how I see it. I, I, I love to put it in that metaphorical sense. Sure. Because it makes it more lifelike. Yeah. Now, when, when you were out at sea, I mean, I, I do want to go back and, and learn more about growing up on the sea, but... Would you say that you ever encountered real pirates out there on your boat? No, no, no nothing no. like that. I've seen some really good movies about that. You know, there's <laughs> the Captain Phillips incident with Tom Hanks and sure. you know, they're out there. I, I don't think pirates are anything like what we really would imagine they are back in the old pirate days with the, the big beards and the hats and all that. You can yeah. see the and, and the hook and, and everything else. Yeah. No, there's more pirates on land than there are at sea these days. Yeah. I, yeah. I well, meet a lot of them at networking groups. <laughs> <laughs> I probably have encountered a few of them. <laughs> um, well, tell us about growing up. I, I knew you grew up on the sea and your, your father was a sea captain and a, a fisherman and, and you became a fisherman. And was that mostly off the Northern California coast or tell us a little bit about that? Well, you know, we, my parents lived back in Wisconsin and in the late fifties and early sixties, my dad and his brothers all had like three brothers that were all fishermen on the great lakes and they grew up doing that. And uh, they, they wanted something better for their families because there was a, uh, things weren't really that robust as far as money goes. So they moved their families up to Crescent city, California back I was born in 59, mm-hmm. so I was one year old. And uh, so I grew up there and we started fishing. You know, my dad took me out for the first time when I was six years old. Wow. And it was a great experience. And I still remember being scared, but I would see my dad taking control of the situation. And I, I learned something very valuable that day is that we all need something immovable, something that's a rock in our, our lives. And I grew up with that whole thing with my dad always being that rock for me. And I was lucky that way because a lot of people don't have that. So to answer your question, we fished all the way, you know, 1,500 miles offshore, north of Hawaii for tuna. And long as I've been at sea is 52 days, but it, it seemed like a year. Wow, <laughs> yeah. Pretty nice, yeah. pretty comfortable. But other than that, mostly California, Oregon, Washington. Never did go to Alaska. I've got a lot of friends that went up there. I just really never had a desire to do that. Although I do want to go now to go check it out to the sport yeah. fishing. I'm going up there this summer. Oh, super. Yeah, other than that, no, it's it was a pretty full-on deal for 23 years. I think I fished full-time. And, you know, as you know, I lost my dad in a boat wreck. So that was, uh, yeah, after that happened, things changed a lot. Yeah. Now, I, I know that was a big event in your life. And um, in reading your book, 
I think you were you were 27 year, years old when that was happened, and um, I knew that there had been some calm seas as, as I read, um, but then something happened overnight, and can you t tell us that story? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's my marquee story when I do my talks, and the reason I use that story is because I talk a lot about change, mm -hmm. and... So we all have storms that happen in our lives, and I use storms as a metaphor because one thing I learned as a sea captain, storms, we all have, storms come and they'll continue to come. There's no stopping storms. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing in life. We have, events happen to us on a daily basis. Sometimes they're small, sometimes they're big. But this event happened on April 4th, 1987 for me, and I was 27 years old. And I'd already been running boats for my dad for about seven years. And... We're all out fishing on April 4th, and it's like the fourth day of shrimp season off of uh, Northern California. And it was a huge day of full production and massive toes of shrimp, big mm -hmm. bags. And so we ended up our day, and I, I wanted to go see my dad lift his bag on. And he didn't have to be out there because he was, he was pretty much a made guy. He had built a small fishing empire. He had a uh, fish processing facility four boats, two seafood restaurants, um, 150 employees. I mean, he was an incredible person. And the, the remarkable thing is he was a ninth grade dropout. Wow. And, uh, he joined the Marines and, and went to Korea. And he learned discipline and strong work ethic there. Mm -hmm. And just had a natural street sense and uh, entrepreneurial drive. Mm -hmm. He didn't need to be out there. And uh, I went and watched him load that last bag on the boat. And they had to go in that night because they're almost full him and my cousin and on the way home that night uh, he said something to me I'll never forget he wanted me to go to this secret radio we have and he said um, or asked me to go over there and I it was really I think we're too close together and the signal is out bouncing over my boat because I couldn't understand him and I went back to the public radio and he said don't worry about it I'll tell you tomorrow now little did I know those are the last words I would ever hear my dad speak and on the way home that night my cousin Timmy and him hit the rocks and I woke up to that sad news the next morning that uh, Miss Lee said it hit the rocks. They found Timmy on the beach and my dad was still missing. Mm. So it was another four days before they found his body and uh, it was such a profound uh, impact on me, my family, the entire community we lived in. He was a patriarch and a remarkable man and so uh, It'll be 34 years, I believe, on this upcoming April 4th. And so, it, but it seems like yesterday. And, yeah. you know, I, I remember that. And it's just, it's one of those impactful things. And, you know, I just want to share this, Michael. I talked to an energy healer uh, person about four or five years ago, and she works with special forces when they come back from, uh, like, the Mideast. Sure. And she told me that when we have a traumatic experience like that, that there's a pretty good chance uh, that it will show up in our unborn children genetically. It's that profound. It's that impactful on the human body. And, uh, man, when I heard that, it just really resonated with me because I mm -hmm. think about the 9-11 victims and, and, you know, people that have paid the ultimate sacrifice serving in the military. And yeah. That affects their families and how that ripple effect goes out and affects so many other people. Yeah. So, yeah, that was a, it was a very traumatic event. Yeah. So I know, I know that you, a moment ago you mentioned how you use that a lot in your speaking and your talking. What, what is really 
the story that you tell around your father's passing and, and how do you use it when you're talking to executive groups and such to create an analogy or story? What are you saying? That's a great question. I, the way I look at it, it's, it's like this. There's nobody that's bulletproof, all right? I don't, you, you can have it going on. You can have the, the best career in the world. You can be a multi, multi-millionaire, billionaire. You're still going to have relationship issues. You're still going to have, all these things can happen. Money doesn't buy everything, right? You can't control everything in your, in your life. Obviously, I've never been a millionaire or billionaire, <laughs> but I'm heading that way. <laughs> but when I get in front of people that are at that level, I feel very, very comfortable talking to them about, it's the same premise. Mm -hmm. You can have everything going on in your life. I remember when I was 24 years old, 25 years old, I thought I was going to have a red Porsche. I thought I was going to be have this little beautiful parking spot at my dad's fish company. I was imagining taking his company and just running with it, taking it to the next level, turning it international. And I had all these big plans and these big dreams. And growing up in such a tight-knit family like that, it's just amazing how things can change on the, at the spur of the moment like that. Yeah. And all it takes is one storm, one yeah. perfect storm to come in and turn your life over. Yeah. So when I talk about that, I talk about mental preparedness. I talk about how it's not so much about mental toughness for me because obviously there's a lot of people talking about that. I talk more about mental preparedness because how can we handle a situation like that when something happens to us that just tips our lives over? Yeah. Because it happens all the time. And, and here's what I came up with. Because there's a couple ways to take this. If you want to go spiritual with it, obviously, if you're Christian, you can believe you're going to go to heaven and everything's going to be fine. And if, you know, these other religions, I don't really know all the dogma of these other religions. But it, the way I look at it, it's like it really comes down to one thing. It comes down to faith. It comes down to faith into something much bigger and that these things happen for a reason. So when you have people that are on top of their game and, and really in a good, comfortable place in life, and then they find out that their wife's been cheating on them, or they find out that they just lost like everything that they worked for overnight. And this happened during the recession. And that's actually where I started my business called Pace Yourself Empowerment Systems, because there were people literally jumping off of buildings at that time, kind of like they did in the depression. Yeah. Because there's this illusion that money's going to buy you everything. And we can have all the wealth in the world, but at the end of the day, we're all the same. We all have to deal with these storms when they happen. Yeah. Wow. So it, it's interesting because, you know, the, like you, you mentioned those storms that, that, that happened, and you, you mentioned your father passing and, and all that. My father passed in 1985. And the last time that I saw him alive, I was pushing him in a wheelchair down the concourse at the Portland airport, um, flying back to his home in California, him and my mom. And that was the last time I saw him. About two months later, he passed on, it's actually Mother's Day, 1985, that, that he passed. But it just, and he was sick, but it's just like it happened so quickly. Yeah. And, and that event changed so much um, as well for, for my life and my family and my mother and my brothers and, and, and everything else. And, and again, you know, I, I like it that you mentioned the, the idea about having that faith and being able to move through those moments. And I know you talk about that, that in your book too. Um, 
<clears throat> I actually wrote this down, James. Um, becoming aware of your emotions as they come in. Once you're aware of them, then you can acknowledge the emotions and write it out until it calms down. And you're talking about the emotional intelligence there. And I thought that was powerful enough that at least, I mean, I wrote it down. Yeah. Yeah, so, I, trained on, I trained on emotional intelligence for a company for a couple of years traveling around the United States and Canada. And what I noticed when I was doing that is how many people were so stuck and so deeply embedded in their belief systems that they couldn't even see past what I was talking about. They, they couldn't comprehend it. So mm -hmm. obviously it's about self-awareness, uh, compassion for others, humans. It, you know, there's so many facets of emotional intelligence. But the beliefs that we have, the limiting beliefs that we have holding us down, um, if we can see these emotions, and, and the way I see it happening is that when we have a thought, which we all have thoughts, and they mm -hmm. come in from somewhere, people don't even think about that. We have up to 70,000 thoughts a day, it's said now, whether it's, yeah. I don't know, but I'm, I've got people that I know are pretty hyper that I'm sure think that much. Yeah. But when these thoughts come in, for the most part, we just don't even think twice about it when it happens. So it triggers a, a, a feeling that'll turn into an emotion. Mm -hmm. And when these emotions happen, then it goes through our behavior filter. And what that looks like is wherever we grew up, whatever environment we grew up in, it could have been if you grew up in Harlem and, and you were dealing with gangs or East LA or something like that, and you had that as your reality, you're going to deal with things a lot differently when something happens to you than if you grew up in a suburb somewhere in Indiana. It's just, you're just going to have a whole different perspective on how you deal with that situation. Mm -hmm. And it, it doesn't make you any better or any worse where you grew up. The situation is still going to be, it has to go pass through that filter. And so what I teach my, my audiences and my coaching clients is that if we can take the time to step back and whether it's through meditation or however we look at that, but be aware of these feelings, these thoughts when they come into our mind. And, you know, this is one of the only, the Western society in the world, I heard this one time, actually, uh, it was a Dan Rather interview with Bin Laden. And Dan Rather said that something we don't really realize in the United States and Western civilization is that many Eastern people pause before they respond in an answer for the most part. Mm -hmm. It'd be like a five to 10 second pause because mm -hmm. they actually think before they speak. We're pretty quick to try to get a word in edgewise because we're so pressed for time that we're always trying to get, and there's a lot of interruption in conversation and that type of thing where the mind is just rambling. Mm -hmm. So again, to be able to slow down your mind enough to be able to become aware of what's happening to you at that time before you react emotionally. Yeah. And that's really, truly the key. And I, I want to make one other point. When I'm talking about faith, I'm not, I'm not talking about religion. What I'm talking about is the collective body of the human species having faith in something much bigger. Mm -hmm. There's no lines. Mm -hmm. There's no dogma. There's nothing separating us. But when we have the ability to have faith that there's something much bigger than this, mm -hmm. we can look past what we're going on. And death is a huge, huge thing for so many people. And as you said with your father, I mean, when we lose a loved one, it's, it's very difficult. I've got friends right now that are dealing with uh, a lot of family stuff. And it's, uh, yeah. it's sad to see people go through that emotionally. Yeah. Yeah. You, you mentioned meditation. Do you, teach any particular type of meditation or is that you leave that up to the, the individual or what do you do with that? 
I have a, a program that I, I work with individual clients mm-hmm. and I, I don't coach as much as I used to, mm-hmm. but I do teach them. I, I do visualization techniques and uh, whether that's taking them out on a boat, we can go sailing, we can go climbing the mountains, go through the redwoods, what it, you know, and I, I like to talk to people about what they like the most in their life, but take them through an hour meditation or 35 minute, 40 minute meditation to where they can really slow their mind down a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, what I've, I've seen is so many emotions come up when people can actually slow their minds down and really address some of the, the things that are affecting their lives. Yeah. And, and I talk, you know, I want to tell you, Michael, I talk about anchors too, and I, I don't know if it's in my book or not. I, I really don't know, but um, I talk yeah. about that a lot, <laughs> about anchors, and I, I really truly believe that anchors, uh, our beliefs, our limiting beliefs, our anchors that we have dragging around our neck. Mm. And uh, I, I use that metaphor because if you can picture, I've got a, I have a great slide that I use in all my presentations that, that I found online of this. Uh, very muscular looking statue and he's got a rope tied around his waist and there's an anchor dragging in the sand behind him. And some people will have multiple anchors or multiple beliefs of things that have happened to them in their life. And through my coaching and through some of my, my talks is what I, I express to people is that we need to take the wisdom that's available to us. And my gosh, there's no shortage of wisdom out there, right? And it's going to events. It's going to these different things. It's hanging around people that are, highly conscious people and being positioning ourselves to where we're not hanging around negative people and we're not hanging around people that have no hope and no desire to succeed in life. Mm-hmm. And every time we try to step up to the plate, somebody's trying to knock us back down because it makes them feel like their lives are they're like they're stuck yeah. and they don't want to see us succeed. And it, it sounds crazy, but even the closest people around us don't want to see us succeed sometimes. Yeah, sometimes those closest to us are our worst enemy, so to speak, even though they're our loved ones. Yeah, so if we, if we can position ourselves, uh, over the last three months, I've met so many people, and I just made the commitment this year that I'm going to be traveling, I'm going to be out talking to a lot of people, and I've met so many cool people that are so highly motivated and so highly conscious that it's, it, it just it changes how you see where you're at. And, and for people that are on this call that are, uh, are watching this, that are entrepreneurs that are starting out and they're really having those challenges with cash flow and they're having those challenges of trying to, to get their business off the ground and everything else, get around people that are successful and there's something magical that happens. Yeah. They want to help you. Yeah. They want to help you. They want to see you succeed. And that's the thing I found in my experience is that most people that are highly successful are pretty normal people. They're yeah. pretty happy and they do want to help. Yeah. It's very cool. Yeah. And it's interesting that, that you mentioned that too, because most of the people that I know, especially like if they're getting out on stage and they're presenting and they're talking, but not even necessarily that, but at some level of uh, what we, we what we consider success, also meditate. And um, I mean, I've, I've been at events you know, even like Brendan Burchard and, and some other people, he says everybody he knows meditates. And I know for myself, I meditate an hour every morning, and it's a huge deal for me, you know. And it's, it's like it's part of what gets my day started. As soon as I wake up, it's the first thing that I do. It's definitely something that you should be in the practice of doing. I'm guilty. I am not doing it as often as I should be. Yeah. 
I knew I do know one thing though. Every time I do meditate, I feel a lot better. <laughs> so yeah. why would we do that on a regular basis? I don't know, but uh, yeah. I've been pretty busy over the last couple of months. Yeah. But I, I want to go back to the thing with the anchors. Again, that wisdom I was talking about, the metaphor is that use that wisdom as a knife to start cutting these ropes loose mm. one by one and finding these limiting beliefs that are holding you back. And that's what I do with, with my clients. And I, yeah. I really promote that because it's like, man, I'll tell you that we've had so many things. I use the autopilot as a metaphor in my talks as well because all boats have an autopilot. And when I would travel 1,500 miles offshore, if you're one or two degrees off course, you can be hundreds of miles away from your destination. Yeah. So if we don't have a solid business plan, we don't have a solid vision of what our business is going to look like. We don't have a mission statement. We don't have a vision statement. There's a pretty good chance you're going to be off course. Yeah. And again, if we're programmed, which we're all programmed, let's face it, we all grew up under somebody that was telling us something. And we have the news, we have the media, we've got every time you go grocery shopping, you get bombarded with stuff right at the cash register heading out the door yeah. that you have to look at. So we, we have all these thoughts about how we should be, how we should look. If you're not doing this, I mean, if you're not 35, uh, a millionaire when you're 35, if you don't own a house when you're 35, you're a complete loser. That never used to be that way. Yeah. So demands are being put on us by so many different uh from so many different facets. So again, if that auto autopilot malfunctions, a lot of people, and i.e. in the, in the form of getting broadsided by an event in your life, a lot of people will just start spinning in circles. And that's what happens when autopilots malfunction. They just go in circles. Yeah. And I love that metaphor because I have so many of my clients that I've worked with over the years have had something happen to them or have had words spoken over them at some point in their life to where they didn't feel they could succeed. And once they cut those ropes loose with that knife of wisdom, yeah, that's when they started to take off. Start to take off. Yeah, that's a great analogy. And one of the analogies that's kind of been going through my head more re recently, in a, when you talked about you know, going 1,500 miles off, uh, off the shore on autopilot, you know, I, I look at myself, you know, we kind of live in the mountains or, or near the mountains. And, you know, I can go out hiking on a trail, have a backpack, have a tent, have a sleeping bag, have all my food, have my knives, whatever it is. And I have all the equipment that I possibly need, right? And then I'm walking down the trail and I have everything I need. But then I didn't realize I'm actually going in the wrong direction. <laughs> to where I want to go, I need to go the other way, right? And that's where, you know, like having a coach or a mentor or somebody to help us can help us get into the right direction. Because, I mean, it's easy. Again, we can have everything just go in the wrong direction. And compasses on a boat are one of the biggest things in the world. I mean, without a compass. And these days, believe it or not, for people that aren't sailors or mariners, with electronics these days, you have GPS. Is most people don't even look at the compass anymore. Wow. But you know what? All it's going to take is one major uh, hiccup in the in the grid. I mean, it, it, with the internet and everything else, and those compasses become pretty dang important. Yeah. And the GPS doesn't work anymore. Yeah. So we're pretty dependent on technology for most things in life. But that's how people are too. They get really complacent. 
in my opinion, they get very complacent. They get used to how things are. They get used to the comfort of just doing things the same way over and over again, and they can never get out of that pattern. So what happens when a major event happens in their life? What happens to them? That's when people start to freak out. They start to get depressed. They start to get um, just frustrated, angry. All these different emotions come up. And when they're stuck in that pattern, what I do is I show people how to take things, uh, situations like that and give a whole new meaning to the event, mm -hmm. a whole new meaning to your life. I mean, how do you perceive things as they happen? And that comes back to that thought process. And that thought comes into your mind. How do you decipher what's happening to you at that moment? Yeah. We need to get new meaning to the events as they happen in our life. Yeah. Yeah. Have you read the book, The Untethered Soul? I have not. One of the things it talks about in the beginning of the book are the voices in our head. And would you be friends with somebody that verbally said all the voices in your head? And the point of it was that um, we probably would not be friends with that person, <laughs> you know, with, with all those voices. So what I hear you saying is, as we let that go, as we let those anchors go, those voices begin to change or shift or, or go away, especially those ones that may be holding us back, creating depression, low self-esteem, all of that, which holds us back from really, you know, excelling and being the, the, the best person that we can be of service and of helpfulness to other people and so on. Yeah. And you know, I, 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 this is one of the most basic things I've ever said. I say to my clients is, have you ever, do you remember any time in your life that you said, I told myself not to do that? Yeah. We've all said that, right? Sure. Did we really think about what that even means? Mm -hmm. I told myself, well, the question is who's the I and who's the self. And when you say that people start to look like, yeah, I never thought about that. Yeah. We do that all the time. It's not just I told myself. You know, there's all these instances. So we have that inner voice, that inner critic that is constantly just knocking us down and telling us we're no good. We're not going to make it. We're not fast enough. We're not good looking enough. We're not professional enough. We don't deserve this in our life. And these are all things we've heard from other people that are imprinted in our brain. Yeah. So many people have worked their way you know, Oprah Winfrey, for example, somebody's worked her way from complete adversity in her life to one of the most wealthy women on the face of the planet, if not the most wealthy woman. And Les Brown is another great example of somebody that was born into a very adverse situation and was lucky enough to have his sweet mother, Mamie Brown, take him. And I love Les, and we have the event coming up on the 24th of April. And Bend, if anybody is able to get to Bend for that, it's a cheap little plug for yeah. The, I will be a great plug. Plug on, yeah. I'll be speaking that night. I'm really looking forward to meeting Les. And, uh, but he, he's another individual that went through a pretty adverse situation growing up. And they don't let that stop them. They don't let this be – they don't let their story be a story of, I can't. And, you know, I love my family, and I've got three brothers and a sister, and we all grew up in the same household. But I hear I can't quite a bit, and I don't live that way. Yeah. I can. I don't like how things are sometimes, but there's not much you can do to change that right. at, the, at the moment, right? All you can do, if you stay positive and keep forging ahead and you have a very clear vision of where you want to end up, and you have to, when we're going from point A to point B, I don't care if you're going uh, across town or you're traveling somewhere or you're going offshore tuna fishing, 
when we lose track of our destination, when we lose track of our uh, legacy, what we want to have in our life, where do you want to be at the end of your life? I'm, and I'm going to ask your viewers that. Where do you want to be at the end of your life? Where do you want to be when your funeral is happening and everybody's in that room, presuming they sh anybody shows up, right? <laughs> There's always that chance. Yeah. But when these people come, what do you want your eulogy to sound like? What do you want the people, the guest speakers that are going to come up at your celebration of life, what are they going to say about you? Were you compassionate? Were you charitable? Were you going out of your way to help other people or did you just look out for yourself the entire time? And I think that's something that really gives us a real focal point about where do we want to be at the end of our days? How do, how do we want to be remembered by people? That's powerful stuff, you know, and it's easy not to think about those things so much, you know, yeah. and that, that um, before we know it, somebody's saying our eulogy and it's just like, how did that happen? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and no matter what your belief system is, if you're standing there watching this whole thing happen and you're like, Oh man, I wish I would have just did this or that. And one of my favorite stories is John Adams, John Quincy Adams was laying on his deathbed and he was plagued. He was plagued by all of the ideas that he had that he never implemented. He said he saw that, and I can't remember where I read that, but that really stuck in my mind. It's like, how many ideas do we have? How many goals do we have that are just sitting there that could change the entire complexion of the, the planet? Yeah. Or to help some people in your local neighborhood or whatever that looks like. And you don't have to be the next Gandhi. You don't have to be the next Oprah Winfrey. But what are you doing in your local neighborhood? How are you perceived around with your friends and your family? Are you that shining light, that North Star that they can turn to and see you as an example of how they want to live their life? Yeah. Well, it's like, you know, it's individuals and small groups of people that change the world. Yes. You think that we don't have that power as an individual person, just as an actor. I mean, it's really what happens. I mean, there, there's all sorts of strong personalities in our world today in politics and entertainment, etc. And they are out there changing the world, sometimes for the better, sometimes maybe not for the better. But it, it really is that individual or small group that's doing it. It is. And, you know, I know we don't have much time left. I really want to get this in here is that uh, I... Uh, I'm a big believer in the consciousness movement. And if you ever see a pie chart with the amount of people that are really in that movement, it's pretty, it's a pretty small slice of the pie. And if you wanted to really look at that pie and how many people are just living, you know, with their ego driving their ship, so to speak, it's uh, it's pretty frightening when we look at the grand scheme of things in the world and how things could change in an instant our lives can change in an instant because of people running countries that are driven by their ego. Yeah. And, you know, I can't, that's a whole other conversation, but yeah. what I'd like to say is um, I really truly believe that it's up to us. It's up to us to pass the word. It's up to us to, to make this happen from the ground up. And I just saw an article the other day, uh, Marianne Williamson is running for president and she was back stumping in Iowa. And it's a very interesting article when you read it because the writer, the writer really gave her the, you know, a fair shake and just said that, you know, here's this woman that's 
that's been doing this uh, work for so many years, and she she really is taking it to the next level to try and and create awareness. I mean, the likelihood of getting elected is pretty remote, but she's still out there doing it because she's going to help continue to shift awareness. Yeah, and we can all do this in our neighborhood, and it it, it takes doing the work. Yeah. You have to find the people that you want to work with. I'm, I'm always looking for people that want to work with me because I was, I was put on this planet to work with that person and they will find me. And I don't really go out looking for them anymore because they will find me. Mm -hmm. But we all have the ability to shift the consciousness of this planet. And corporations, when I go out and I teach people about emotional intelligence, which as far as I'm concerned, it's everything that Jesus talked about. It's everything Gandhi talked about. It's everything Buddha talked about. All the great teachers in history They've just packaged up that message in a pretty little bow, uh, package with a bow on it and called it emotional intelligence. Yeah. And corporations that hire people to come in and speak about um, emotional intelligence to shift the culture of that company, it doesn't work unless they take it to the upper level management first. You can't sprinkle emotional intelligence on the lower level of a corporation. It just simply doesn't work because they don't trust and they don't respect the people above them once they anything else if they start to crack open that door of self-awareness and they start to see the smoky mirror as Don Miguel Ruiz talks about if we can see past that we start to see the big lie that is happening in this country and the truth of the matter is there's 40 percent of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck people are leaving New York City because they can't afford to live there I, I, I read way too much news but it's it, there's things happening now that people are starting to wake up and so I'm really happy to be part of this movement and the people I've been meeting over the last year, just, you know, that movement is happening. Yeah. It's yeah. happening. Great. Well, a, a couple of things before we wrap up. One is I, I know you have a consulting group that you're working with. So I'd like to touch base a little bit on that and then perhaps finish up with maybe three ideas that maybe the listener could use today that uh, might be able to give them some insight or, or some, some guidance on what they're doing. So sure. um, tell us a little bit about the consulting group. Okay, yeah, I, I have a team I work with and uh, you know, I went through the recession and this is the second storm that happened to me in my life. My first storm was in 87 when my dad died. That was the version big, that's a perfect storm. And I had to rebuild myself and I had to, uh, I, I knew that I realized at one point that I was just a chapter in my, I was a character in my dad's book and I had to start my own legacy. So I quit fishing in 2000 and I started, uh, went into the mortgage business. And just when I had my office up and running, I had just hired a team. I had loan officers working for me. And then the recession happens. I ended up shutting down the office. Mm -hmm. That was the second storm, but I, I, I saw what happened to so many people at that time. So we created a, uh, a company that was called Pace Yourself Empowerment Systems. And PACE stands for Presence, Awareness, Consciousness, and Empowerment. And I took that to the next level, and I wanted to help entrepreneurs that wanted, maybe they didn't have enough cash flow, maybe they didn't have enough money to really get their businesses launched, but I wanted to create an affordable avenue for them. So what we're doing now is that we put together a small package deal for people that they can come in and get a website, they can get a logo, they can get their business cards. They can get any collateral that they need for a nominal fee. I mean, a Parallax WordPress website that would cost you anywhere from five to seven thousand dollars in a metropolitan area. We're we're giving this to our clients for right around the two thousand dollar to twenty two hundred dollar price point. 
that includes the logo, that includes the cards and everything else they need. And we work on payments. So the whole, the whole idea behind that is you can't just get things for free in life. If you don't pay something for it, you don't value it. So we, make, we put a price point that we feel is fair and realistic and we do enough volume to where we can do that. And I'd be more than happy to talk to any of your listeners or anybody that is looking for that kind of a, that, that leg up into where they can get a real professional looking image. Sure. Sure. Yeah. It's paceyourself.biz is my website and you can go and check that out. So, okay. And I'll make sure that that's on uh, the podcast site too, on your page. So again, those audio listeners, if you go to fallingupradio.com and then you'll see uh, the link for James is you can go down to the bottom of the page and, and see any web links that he has and you can find that there too. So it's paceyourself.biz. Mm -hmm. Is that what it is? Super. Yep. So in, in uh, wrapping up, what, what are like three ideas that, that you might have that you could share with the listeners that they might be able to use even today, right now? Well, I would say three, three things that really stand out to me is number one, what is your why? And we hear that all the time. And uh, it sounds, it's almost becoming a little cheeky to say that, but at the same time, it's true. What is your real why? I mean, my why, ironically, growing up the son of a fisherman and going through my entire life as a, a most of my life as a fisherman and then going into the corporate world is I realized that at the end of the day, my why is helping people. It's helping people to that next level. And it took me a long time to realize that because, again, I was packing around all these anchors. I was packing. I mean, I still got, got things I'm working on, believe me. I'm, we all do, I think. And then when you quit working on these things, I think you get yourself into a situation where you can't move forward. And it's almost like you have drag on your boat and you can't sail if you have drag. You have to figure out a way to cut these things loose, right? Yeah. So I think, I think that's one thing is that really check out what your why is. Write it down. And I am open to a, 30, a three minute, 30 consultation. Anybody wants to call me, I'd be more than happy to talk to him about that. Secondly, don't wait for tomorrow because tomorrow may never come. Hmm. My dad's last words were, don't worry about it. I'll tell you tomorrow. I have no idea what he was going to say. That's the last thing he said to me. And those words have stuck with me forever. And all I can tell you is I, I really think he would have said, don't give up. Had he known he was going to die that night, he would have said, don't give up in anything you pursue. Go to the, take it to the end. Don't let people get in your way. Don't, tell, don't let people tell you you can't. And the last thing would be is that Look for that person in your neighborhood. Look for that person in your workplace. Look for that person that maybe is an entrepreneur that you know they've got a great idea and you know they're struggling and find a way that you can encourage them or help them to get to that next level by maybe introducing them to a friend or to a colleague or somebody that's helped you in the past or somebody that you know that will be able to benefit that person. Don't make it all about money all the time. Yeah, I am the first person to say that you have to have skin in the game or you don't appreciate it. You have to have skin in the game. Yeah. But some people, I think when people get really super successful, a lot of people forget about what it's like to be in that place where you're trying so hard to what I like to say is get your, lo your boat loose from the dock yeah. and get headed towards your destination and letting your sails full, fill full of that emboldened and empowered breeze that's going to push your ship forward. 
Yeah. And it's so hard to get those lines. And I, I, that's why I say cut the ropes. Yeah. Tony Robbins talks about burning the boats. Yeah. I'm like, cut the ropes. Yeah. Let's get the ropes cut. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's the knife of knowledge. Yeah. That, that's great. Th those are um, all, all great ideas. And uh, I want to add another plug again, depending upon when you're uh, listening to this, like you, you mentioned, James, uh, yourself, um, uh, and about half a dozen of us, including myself, are going to be speaking with Les Brownie in Bend, Oregon on April 24th. And that's going to be really super exciting. And, you know, from where he came from, too. And it's going to be just a, a super, super night. And, you know, even though we may be entrepreneurs and stuff, we, we got slammed down by the snow and um, had to reschedule that event, but it's going to be fun. I can't, I can't wait. So yeah, you can't fool mother nature. Yeah. If you're a sailor, you learn to respect mother nature quite a bit. So, yeah. and I, I want to throw another thing into it. Another cheap shameless plug for myself is that anybody that is listening to this is looking for somebody to come in and talk to their people about, about growth and about how to deal with change. Uh, my talks are fairly unique in the sense that I use a lot of ocean metaphors like I've been talking about today because the ocean is three quarters of the planet. Yeah. And uh, one thing I notice when I come back to land is that things are getting very crowded. Mm -hmm. They're getting pretty competitive. Mm -hmm. uh, we're always looking for the next best thing. And the truth of the matter is when you get on that boat and you can go out to sea, you get time to sit back and think and it gives you freedom and it gives you that connection with nature that I think is so hard to find in our busy lives. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, cool. Well, we'll, we'll have a link again on, on your page that, that anybody can go to and uh, find out more about Pace Yourself and about some of your keynote speaking and, and such and, and um, to be able to connect with you in, in that way. Yeah. So yep. It's all about helping people. So Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it, it's, a, again, it's super great. I, I'm, I really appreciate you being here today and having this conversation. And um, I look forward to getting you, getting to know you more on a personal level as well. Yes. And if you go to the Les Brown thing, get VIP tickets because you get to meet us too. That's right. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> so again, um, that would we, be my, fourth piece of, my fourth piece of advice is somebody told me this a couple months ago, Michael, real quick. Whenever you go to an event, go VIP because that's where you meet the real, the real people that are going to change your life. Yeah. Find that money, go VIP. Just All do it. it. That's yeah. great advice. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we, we learned a lot today from our, our guest, James. We, we learned a lot about the ocean and how it's a great metaphor for life. We learned that we needed to really let go of those anchors that are around our neck that's holding us back. And we, we learned that we really do have a choice on the way that we live and what we want to do, as well as it being so important to reach out and to help other people. And then like James mentioned, is to go find that person that's maybe in your neighborhood that, you know, maybe needs an extra hand up and give them a hand or, or refer them to somebody that, that might be able to um, be helpful. And really, you know, let your consciousness be your guide in your life and, you know, really move forward and make sure that even though you might have everything you need, make sure you're going in the right direction in your life and, you know, find somebody that can help you out to do that. 
James, what, what are you showing there? I know you're holding up. So what do you, what does it say? A friend gave this to me. It says seize the day. I, I love it. Seize it's the day. S-E-A-S, the day. I, I love Ooh. it. That's Go so to the beach. <laughs> so again, thank you, James. And remember to uh, go to the uh, fallingupradio.com, get a free copy of my book, Falling Down, Getting Up, and um, share this with, with your friends and, and pass it on as well. And be sure to subscribe. Again, when you subscribe, you, you get the book and you won't miss any future episodes at all. So again, thank you again, James, and um, we'll talk soon. Thank you so much, Michael. Looking forward to the uh, 24th and uh, seeing you at the event. Absolutely. Thanks, James.